0: My next guest is a queer South African rapper that lives in London. She is all about expressing her truth and has a strong sense of community. Her latest song, Go High, Go Low, is out now. Introducing Dope St. Jude.
1: You're in the bag Kissing your girl don't be mad I might just wind up a dad Guess I was born to be bad Guess I was born to be great Uh. Every night I pay my rate Don't give a fuck if you're late Look at me fuck up the stage we go high, we go high And we go low, we go low And we don't ever show no signs And we go slow Yes Yes, we go high, we go high And we go low, we go low And we don't ever show no signs And we go slow
0: Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm with a very unique and special guest. I usually don't throw the word unique in, but I think you're really unique. So, unique and special guest, the one and only Dope Saint Jude. There we go.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Blake. I'm very happy to be chatting to you today.
0: Yes, it's exciting. And I, I think you're the first artist who has three names for their for their like artist name. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of a tongue tie. Like, do you have a nickname you ever go by? Or is it like just dope, saint? Shit, yep. or?
1: People call me dope. Yeah, okay. a lot of people call me dope. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you seen that Netflix movie called Dope?
1: yes is it is it the film with asap rocky yes yeah i like that film but <laughs> the kids uh they get involved in some kind of drug trade
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, got, it's got the flat top and everything yeah <laughs> yeah i watched that when i was like i was i was pretty young when i watched that so i always i thought it was so cool and i was like oh wow <laughs> it was a good movie it was like taiga was in it, in it also like my, my favorite movies are when like rappers appear in it um I haven't seen it yet, but Uncut Gems has the weekend in it, and I'm like,
1: what? Really? I mean, yes.
0: So I want to see that so bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the Adam Sandler film, right?
0: Yeah, he's, he's yeah. supposed to, he's supposed to be like really serious in it or something like that,
1: but yeah, it's really cool when when comedic actors take on serious roles. It shows that they uh, that, that they are serious about life, you know, <laughs> that they want people to take them seriously now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes doesn't work, but sometimes they pull it off, and supposedly he pulled it off. So. I want to see it sometime. (laughs) So you're located in London right now, right?
1: Yeah, I'm based in London right now. And I'm pretty happy to be here. Um, Especially, I guess, during the lockdown. uh, Because if I was in Cape Town back home in South Africa, the the lockdown would have been way more intense. I think they're on like a level four lockdown in Cape Town, which means like... um, we, like in london we 're allowed to go for a walk once a day in cape town you 're not allowed to leave your house at all there 's no alcohol on sale, no cigarettes on sale like it 's pretty like uh, what 's the word it's pretty intense
0: damn yeah, I bet those about the alcoholics are losing their mind over there right now Then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah like my my brother was telling me that a liquor store down the road got like smashed in and broken into people were desperate and you know what's the funniest thing like I guess it's a bit of a a funny story is you know people can use yeast when they're making when you make home brewed alcohol you use yeast so they've pulled yeast from the um, from some of the stores like the stores don't sell yeast anymore (laughs) because people are trying to buy are trying to make alcohol at home and they're trying to avoid that
0: (laughs) Mm. yeah I have some friends whose family members like make like make their own homemade beer and like put their own logos on it and everything like that so yeah, I know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to know because like I'm not, I'm I've, I've traveled and stuff, but like I'm not like a huge guy on like di- knowing different accents and everything like that. But being from Cape Town and then moving to London, do you think you have a pretty diverse accent?
1: Um, no, I think I have very much a Cape Town accent. I don't think I've picked up the the UK accent. I'm very wary of that because um they, they say you can't pick up a new accent after the age of of eighteen. Like it's very much like in your childhood that you pick up an accent and then you kind of stuck with it for the rest of your life. So I always find it amusing when people have moved to a place for like one year as an adult and then they suddenly haven't an, an, an accent i find that hilarious like there was this one guy on south african tv who went to who went to to america to the us we say america <laughs> went to the us for like a few weeks and then came back with like this uh, the southern drawl <laughs> and it was like a big joke in our country <laughs> so i don't know i always like i'm conscious of like not falling into that
0: yeah they're trying to they're trying to show off too much Be like oh yeah i picked up this accent
1: but yeah, like oh, I'm from London now. I speak the Queen's <laughs> English.
0: <laughs> but what I do love is when like actors are able to change their voices. Like um, I don't know. I'm a huge like 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 a music and movie buff. So um, I don't know if you've seen Knives Out with Daniel Craig, but um, he's he has like a really heavy accent. And then like in the um movie, he has this really heavy Southern accent. And I'm like, what? Like it's crazy yeah. how they do like all these like vocal training to change their voice for a certain role.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I also find it like quite admirable, and I've tried to like, because I'm like, oh, then it is. Then they make it seem so easy. So sometimes I try to impersonate an accent, and I can't. Like I, I have it in my head. Like I know what it sounds like, but I just can't seem to like translate it vocally. I can't like hit the nail on the head with the accents.
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I see that with music sometimes. Like I, um, I'll be listening to a song in my head, and I think I'm like doing the lyrics correct and everything. But then if you like, if you're playing, if you if if you have music in your earbuds and then you're recording yourself and there's like no music and you're just singing, you'll be like, what? I sound nothing like this song at all. (laughs) But yeah, I think, I think you're, you're, how would you describe your music? It's really interesting. I think that you bring a lot of your culture into it as well.
1: Yeah. um, It's actually really difficult for me to describe it, but I would say I make uh, hip hop music, but a kind of experimental um hip-hop music and then i think it has a lot of african influence but then it's also i would say informed by the fact that i travel and i'm a child of the internet like of the internet age of the information age which means that my influences are not exclusively bound to where i'm from so growing up i listened to like a lot of american music like i know i probably know american culture as well as an American. I know like UK culture pretty well. Like those were like the big influences in our country, like in terms of media. So I think that uh, like that's why I even make hip hop is because I was exposed to hip hop growing up because of, um, of how uh, like powerful and, um, and far reaching the US culture is in the world.
0: Do you think a lot of artists try to do hip hop music in South Africa? Or what do you think the most popular genre is in South Africa?
1: Well, hip hop is a pretty big um, scene in South Africa. And a lot of it, like there's, we have different styles. Like we have um, a lot of it that is quite in, like heavily influenced by um, American artists. So there's like um, an artist that's very much kind of like in the Drake style like he's got a very similar even his accent sometimes is american but but recently like it's become uh, it's only like recently become really popular to uh, embrace like the african culture in your music um so we have people who rap in Xhosa, which is um, one of the South African languages, or in Zulu. And then there's also a really cool music scene that's developing, which is a mixture of hip-hop and house, and then like underground bass music. It's called um, Kom Kom Music. It's spelled G-Q-O-M. And it's like a really exciting sound. It's a club sound um, that's mixed in with with uh, what's it, with like, v- with hip hop vocals. So it's like a really exciting movement that's like kicking off in South Africa. And in fact, is kind of like reaching into the mainstream because people like Beyonce for that Lion King album used some some, some South African artists to produce some of the tracks. Um, it was used in Black Panther. So it's starting to like reach beyond just our borders.
0: Yeah, I see that a lot with different cultures are bleeding are coming over to America for sure. Like, and a, yeah. and you always see Drake's always on top of that. You know, he's always got yes. like Skepta or Bad Bunny or anything like that. He's, he's yeah, the first. Wiz
1: Wizkid. He's yes. really good at. Some people say he's a culture vulture, but I think there are two sides to that coin. Like, I think that he does it probably to stay relevant, like to stay on top of a trend. Like, if Afrobeats is the new thing, then he's got an Afrobeat track. But then I also think it's well i guess uh, maybe there isn't two sides to the coin <laughs> but um but the, the other thing is that i think um he is an artist who uh what's the word like in in my opinion is an artist who is what's the word mm, like his goal is success and to be good at making music like regardless of what the style of the music is he's good at making like a good pop track he can make a good um Afrobeat track, he can make a grime track. Like he's just good. Like, like that's his style. I think of, of, of output.
0: Yeah, he's he's very talented. You can hate on him all you want, but like he, yeah. he puts he puts out a great song. Like <laughs> every year. he has a few great songs every single year. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what was it like? Because I'm pretty sure you've toured in um, the U.S. right? Because I I I'm pretty sure you came here right before, and I was wondering like. How, how, what was it like actually coming here versus when you like thought about it, like listening to the music and the culture and everything like that?
1: Yeah. So the first time I came to the U.S., I think I it, yeah, it was in 2016 and um, I was in, um, in California. Like I went to diff- like different places. I was in, um, where's the place? Uh, how can I forget the name? The place where Keilani is from, Oakland. <laughs> I was in Oakland and then I had a show in San Francisco and then I went to a place in Hollywood uh called Cheetahs a strip a strip club a really cool strip club and I performed there and um I guess it was it wasn't like like that much different from what I expected um but it was I was surprised by um I guess just how normal it felt when I was there It wasn't anything like out of the ordinary, um, yeah. I really enjoyed being in the U.S., especially in a place like I know, when I was in Oakland. I really, really enjoyed that place. And then also, I, I stayed at Stanford University for a while because um, in 2017 I was at Stanford doing a show um, for one of their student organizations. So I stayed there for like a week, and that was I think that was more jarring of an experience because. That's, like, academia and, like, old money and stuff like that. And that was, like, my exposure to, like, a different side of the U.S. Um, that I kind of didn't know existed.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Did you do you feel like you've been able to take experiences from the U.S., like, being able to open up and express yourself more? Or, or do you feel like you've always been able to express yourself as a person?
1: I think, like, like what I felt more was, like, a feeling of validation um, because – i it's just it's it's comforting to know and i get this feeling when i travel anywhere else it's just comforting to know that your music reaches so far like so far out um that people like resonate with it in like all on a different on a different continent so that was like like what i came back with there's like a feeling of like okay i'm on the right path i'm connecting with people yeah
0: when you make your music are you trying to is there a certain audience you're trying to reach or do you try to generalize it so it just everyone feels like they can listen to it or are you trying to be niche at the same time
1: um i'm just trying to tell my truth to be honest like i i have uh i, re- I really do try to just like speak what's on my heart um and i fight with myself a lot because i have this like this need sometimes to be uh, like a purist like i always like am like is my intention pure with the music am i am I speaking my truth and sometimes I'm like actually you just need to relax and just make a a fun track that is going to be fun for radio or whatever but I always find myself fighting like fighting the business versus um, like just speaking my truth battle I find myself in that position often um, because I sometimes I feel like when I speak my truth it's so um, like it's so niche right it's because it's my it's my story and I, I sometimes I wonder how many people can actually relate to what I'm saying and so that's why I felt that feeling of validation it was like actually this is working because people on another continent are writing me yeah
0: yeah and I think like you said like you're from the internet age and like you, you you realize that there's a niche for every type of person in on the internet and then the internet's like there's people that actually there's people in the United States outside the United States that are on the internet so those people exist you know so Mm. you could always find those groups of people and then I think I think you'd have a fun time performing in Seattle there's so many different like markets and different venues that are so open to every type of person and yeah um, tell
1: tell me about the scene there
0: yeah it's really interesting it's uh because it's it's, it's definitely like a grungy type scene. So people think when they think of um, Seattle, they think of like Nirvana and all these rock and roll bands. But we also have a lot of like hip hop artists. And um, I actually, I joined, I guess, joined the music scene about like a year ago. And my eyes have been opened so wide of how many people there are. And it's crazy because it's weird for Seattle, at least, if you're not part of the music scene, you don't really know there's a music scene, which is kind of sad. So that's why I created this podcast. So like literally, if you're not dating an artist or you're not an artist yourself, you don't really even know that there's these all, all these underground concerts and things like that. So my whole goal with the podcast was to interview all these artists that have a great sound and also interview bigger artists. And now I've got into the realm of interviewing up and coming artists outside of Seattle even because I think I want to make my podcast like a huge community, you know, and then in turn, people will realize, oh, it's a Seattle podcast, like there's a Breakfast Club podcast or a Or like Joe Rogan, who has like everyone on, you know. So, and you you still know where where those podcasts are from. So you still like, it still gives a spotlight to that city. And Mm. I think that your voice and like your experiences like do really resonate with Seattle. And I think, I think you could definitely like sell out shows here and stuff if you're like promoting yourself in (laughs) Seattle. And um, yeah, like I've I've met I've met tons of like kooky people, (laughs) tons of so there's like it's there's so there's there's every type of group in Seattle like you just have to look for it um yeah it was weird because I was I was focused really on um, hip-hop and then I um I joined a Facebook page and then like I just I put like one one post out into the universe and then like hundreds of like bands were responding I was like what okay here's the bands and then so you just have to you have to look look in certain places but then you find those groups and then those groups are huge but it's like it's like the um the it's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're like all hiding <laughs> underground, <laughs> you know?
1: And and is there like a sense of community in Seattle, like on the music scene?
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like um, sometimes people are kind of nervous to connect with each other. But then once they connect, they're like, oh, we're actually both passionate and we can actually work together. You see a lot of, mm. you've been starting to see a lot of connections and stuff like that being formed. And people are pretty open-minded once they get to know you. But if they don't know you, they're kind of weary, which is, mm. which is I guess
1: yeah I think that's I think that's pretty normal for every city I've been to. I've experienced that, except I'd say Berlin like every time I go to Berlin, people are so unbelievably friendly. I just' think that yeah I think that's probably just how they are, or maybe they're just looking for an orgy because that's what Berlin's known for,
0: <laughs> yeah it's how would you describe like the music scene like where you came from was it very supportive when you were coming up or did you move to London because you knew you could build it more of a community there or
1: well I would say music started out like in the queer reg scene which is a a party space. That's where I started. Um, and then I moved into the hip hop scene from there and people were extremely supportive. But the reason I moved to London was because there wasn't an industry in Cape Town, like a music industry where I could actually like make money and support myself and that's why I I left. But in terms of like the culture, like there's a very strong um, sense of culture in Cape Town and in South Africa. There's very much like, like it's rich, you know, it's, there's so many different scenes. There's like the hip hop scene and then kind of like the jazz scene is really big. Um, there's like a rock scene. They're just like, lo- there's a lot of different, um, Places that you can access music, but there isn't always like it's it's tough to make a living as an artist, and that's really what um, spurred the move for me.
0: Mm. What made you decide that you wanted to actually pursue this as like a music career? Because that's a big step to like move from where you're from to a whole another place, and then pick up where you left off.
1: Um, Honestly, it it was a feeling I had of discomfort before. Before I pursued music, I was doing other things. I worked for an NGO because um, I had studied kind of like I studied politics and public policy, so I always thought like I would be doing something that impacts and helps my community in some way, and um, but. There's something wasn't sitting right with me. Like it was just this feeling of discomfort. Like every job I had, I felt like a feeling of discomfort. And I only felt happy when I started performing. Like when I started my drag performance, and when I turned it into like um, the hip hop performance. And in fact, like I was juggling at 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 one point like three jobs, and I was working for like a a, a wealthy um, public benefit organization, and I was making music, and I was actually earning pretty okay from from my job at the public benefit organization, but I was uncomfortable. It was just like something in my spirit that wasn't sitting right, and I remember like sitting my parents down and telling them, I'm going to quit my job because I need to do what feels right in my body and in my heart, And um, and then I pursued it. Uh, and then it's so crazy because in two weeks later I got a call for like a major campaign and I was able to like sustain myself for a year from that money and be able to like really pursue my music. So um, yeah, that's what made like, and and because of that kind of like that, um, that moment of grace of like quitting my job and any kind of sense of security I had because I felt that I needed to pursue this full time. And then two weeks later, having this like miraculous thing happen where I was able to find fund myself. Like after that I haven't had any doubts about what I'm doing. Um I just believe that when you when you when you align your spirit and your calling, when you align everything, then things line up for you. So that's what happened. And so since then I haven't really had any doubt about doing this full time.
0: Wow. See, that's like stuff like that's very inspiring for people to hear. See, see, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's
1: a. I I mean, a... <laughs> I think, I mean, it, it is inspiring and I, I, I do like, I believe in like the grace of that moment, but it's also, I think like uh, there's a combination of working hard and willing to like being willing to put your money where your mouth is you know like I was hustling I was like working three jobs and but I was ready so I think when you when you show that level of commitment and persistence to the universe it like it can't help but like open up the doors for you yes have you ever have you ever had an experience like that before
0: yeah yeah I, I definitely see that I um yeah I uh I um moved out in my house like in the middle of the school year of my senior year mm-hmm. and um basically i I was struggling with finding out like what I wanted to do with my if I wanted to stay in school even though I was a senior which but it was all because I like had a, I had a rough situation where I when I when I moved out of my house so I was struggling with like actually wanting to go to school figuring out what I actually wanted to do like if I wanted to go to college because with my family they kind of they didn't like pressure me, but they kind of were like, this is what you're kind of going to do. Even mm. the-, <laughs> the weird part was my family was like, Oh yeah, you're going to go be a doctor at this, at this, um at this one school in California. But that's not the weird part. <laughs> the-, the weird part was I-, I wasn't even good in science or knew anything about anything <laughs> without being a doctor. I was like, what the fuck? So I, I-, I had, I- so I had no idea what I really wanted to do. Like I knew I was like, Passionate about music and stuff like that, but like anyone can listen to music and say they're passionate about music so I, I just had I was like just floating and I was like I Don't know what I want to do, but I was in radio at my school Which is like really that was really exciting for me because I always wanted to be like a, on the radio and um, I thought you had to be a senior to be on it But I guess you could have been like a freshman and then go all the way to a senior but I started when I was a senior and, um, basically I, I always talked a lot in school, like a lot. so I get in trouble for talking too much. So radio gave me an outlet to talk. And, um, basically I had like two radio shows and I, I wanted to, I had a project where you were supposed to interview someone that you found was to be like your idol or you looked up to. And, um, it's crazy too, cause they, the radio station, like the hosts just disbanded now and now they have like new radio hosts. But, um, when I was like 12 years old until, up until last year, because I don't really listen to radio anymore, because I just do my podcast, I don't really have to listen to my radio station, because, okay, basically, how do I explain this? I, um, so I was, I listened to this radio station since I was like 12 years old, and I was like, these are my idols, because they're in Seattle, I could actually reach them, and like, I always listen to them in the mornings, I, I literally like, would work out to their podcast, just like, listen to them make jokes and stuff like that, so I, um, reached out to them for an interview for this project, And it was like one of my, it was the first interview I've ever done. And it went out, it went really well. And then, um, I applied for a position at the station, even though I was still in high school and I, um, I got the job and I became like the youngest person to go to, to become like a member of the station. And then I realized like radio was where I wanted to be. And then this podcast is like, cause I'm only like 19 right now. So that all happened like last year. So, um, the podcast gave me a chance to like build connections and build like a resume in a sense because you're not going to really see a, a well known eighteen year old nineteen year old radio host you know like a huge mm. company is not going to put a like teenager at the forefront <laughs> like represent a whole co- like company so um, I've been doing these these this podcast and I've been making great connections that way and um, so in, in my it's exciting. Opinion, yeah it's so it's it's in my opinion I think it's working out pretty well and I get to talk to people like you. And um, I realized one thing that makes me happy is hearing other people's stories and learning perspectives because I don't like getting tunnel visioned, you know. So
1: nice, that is so exciting, and I'm looking forward to your journey. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep googling you for like the next ten years.
0: <laughs> it's funny because my um, my I. My name on paper does not look like I would not look like my name on paper. My name is Blake Burton, and I don't I don't look like a on paper. Everyone's gonna think it's just like a white guy, but then they see me with poofy ass hair, and then I got like a Mickey Mouse tattoo to stand out and stuff like that. And everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> but that's the thing. I think like unique people are that's the way to go, and I think you're really unique, and that's that's why I was so open to this. And I I want I want like what is I just want to hear more of your story about like how you were able to find your voice and express yourself by being queer and everything like that. Cause I know for some people that's difficult and they don't know how to express themselves. So being able to put out projects, talking about that stuff. And, and that's like, that's very inspiring.
1: Yeah. Well, it was difficult for me. I kind of like when I was a kid, I always knew something was like, like different, but when you're a kid, you don't really have the words to articulate it. So when I got older, when I was about like 15 i realized like that um that i that i liked women and that, and i and i was raised catholic so that was super difficult i was raised in a very strict Um, Catholic family and like the kind of Catholic family where you go to church three times a week, like it was next level. (laughs) So I had a lot of guilt and it was difficult for me. And I told my parents and my mom, it was difficult for my mom, but my dad was very accepting. And I think that I learned to embrace myself because my parents um, allowed me to like, like they, they gave me the freedom or like the blessing of not feeling guilt about it. Cause once my parents were okay with it, I was okay with it. And then from there, what happened was at high school, I kind of started an informal queer society. Like somehow we all became friends. Like we all knew each other. Like we gravitated towards each other. And, and so we'd hang out at my one friend's house and it was like this informal queer society. And then from there at university, I got involved in the university queer society, which led me to get involved in the greater Cape Towns and South African queer organizations on a more formal level. And um, and then from there, I was like, oh, like, I'm not that into the organizing of it anymore. Uh, and then I got into performance. As a drag king, and then after that, I got bored. <laughs> I was bored again with the drag performance because I found it to be like not as exciting as the drag queen performance. Because with with drag queens, they get to like wear lots of cool makeup and glitter and dresses. And as a drag king, it's like, I mean, how fun can it be to dress up as a guy, right? I be <laughs> to dressing up as a girl. <laughs> so I gave up on that, and I decided that I was gonna create my own musical persona. And having said this, when I was in high school, I was very much into uh, poetry and performance. I was like acting in sh- lots of shows. I-, I played the guitar. So I always kind of had this level of creativity that was that needed an, an, an outlet. And because I grew up very poor, I didn't have access to like lessons, like piano lessons or like any kind of like acting lessons or anything, all of those were seen as like unnecessary expenses. So, by the time I finished high school and I was at university on a scholarship, I just had like this dying need to express myself and to do it my way and to not have money be a barrier. And when you go, when I went to university, I was exposed to like a whole different world, like the queer scene in Cape Town, drag queens. And then also I was exposed to the art scene and people had money and it was just like, kind of overwhelming for me. It was overwhelming to my senses, but also like liberating at the same time to come from like a poor community. And then suddenly like be in all these crazy spaces where people are expressing themselves freely, wearing whatever they want, partying every night, but also like, doing really great activism work. Like it just, it was everything I wanted to be a part of. And I think that's what informed the style of music I make now, which is very kind of like militant at times and sometimes playful and sometimes talking about queer issues and political issues, but also fun and music that you can party to. Um, like, my my live shows are, are very um, high energy. So I think it kind of, like, embodies, like, my music. My musical journey embodies, like, all the different facets of, of the scene that I grew up in or, or that I came up in. And then also, like, what I think is important for, like, for a human being to be, which is multifaceted. I think that you can be... Um, that you can be lots of different things at once especially as a hip hop artist i make a point of that of being kind of like a multifaceted um, artist and a and a and a multidimensional human being because i think it's very easy to paint black artists and to paint uh, or, or to like uh, like force black artists to be one dimensional or like you know only be about one thing so I think it's important to be like, I'm about a lot of things. I can be a lot of different things at once. And that's what I try to bring across in my music.
0: Yes. How would, how would you describe the like LGBTQ plus community and from your experiences?
1: Uh, the one, which one, like in general or in, like, yeah, in like Cape how, Town or? Yeah. How about, yeah,
0: in general, in general. And then how about both? Yeah. In general and then Cape Town. Cause I think, I feel like that's probably different from like how Cape Town and then yeah. how US and all that
1: well I, I I don't know how to really like describe the well, LGBTQ or queer community I don't know how to describe it in general because it's made up like of so many different types of people, but I will say that like it varies place to place like I know that the queer scene in Cape Town is like it's funny because they like every place has its own flavor but there are lots of different things that like tie the community together like they are things that happen in the queer community in london that happen in cape town that happen in san francisco or wherever like there's like a golden thread that ties us and that golden thread sometimes is that we linked in our struggle we linked in our successes we linked in our um in like silly things like a love for drag or a love for uh, for certain artists like people who love lady gaga like whoever <laughs> but then there's also like unique flavors like like the drag you see in Cape Town is very different to the drag you'll see in Brazil or the drag you'll see in the US. So I think um, like, like any com- community, there are things that connect us and then things that make us totally different.
0: Yeah, for sure. How do you, how do you feel about this whole coronavirus, by the way?
1: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> um, I mean... I, there are, there are lots of different levels to it. on one level, like obviously on like on a, on a very basic level, I'm nervous um, and I obviously I'm thinking about people who are suffering and it's like a scary time. but I also on another level, like on a more spiritual level, I see it as a time for pause and a time for reflection um, and a time to like rethink like the, like the cogs in our system, because it's very clear, like with the way everything has kind of like spun out of control in a lot of places that the system we had in place wasn't working. And I mean, like, I I don't want to sound like all crazy or like, but I mean like the capitalist system that is so obsessed with like output and, and it's like, and makes people expendable. Like at this time, it's so important for us to take a minute, stop and reflect on what's actually important because um, it's just crazy that people who were considered um, unskilled workers like a few weeks ago are suddenly essential workers like people who pick up our rubbish and stuff like they are they get paid so little and they're considered like non-essential or not like not in, not important unskilled labor and now we like depend on those people so that makes you think that the system is messed up like we really need to like rethink um how we treat people overall in the capitalist system yeah what do you what what are are your thoughts on it
0: wow wait first of all i think that was really good insight yeah i didn't think about it that way (laughs) yeah what the hell um (laughs) yeah i think um I think it's important to, like, hear how, like, people from different um, countries are, like, experiencing this whole thing. In the U.S., um, I don't think – I feel like – I feel like there's stereotypes kind of, like, of how, like, the U.S. is kind of ignorant to some things, you know? Like, overall, I feel like that's a generalized (laughs) thing. And I feel like this is something that a lot of U.S. citizens are kind of being ignorant to. Even though this is a whole world problem, there's – there's way too many people getting like pulled over or arrested for going outside to play at a park right now when they know they should be staying mm. home like mm. that's like a given that you should be staying home and then I, I I've seen people set up like volleyball tournaments or like having like full-on like basketball games I'm like how is this and the thing that i um because I've been doing a lot of research on this and um I just think and I've been watching like a lot of news outlets and everything like this and One thing which I thought was kind of sad but true is that the only way of the U.S. – I don't know about the rest of the world – the only way the U.S. would kind of take this seriously was if the youth started getting affected by this because I feel like the youth is not really taking this seriously at all because they're not really getting – they're not – maybe they might have like a grandparent or someone getting affected, but it's not – affecting them so they're like why why would why do we really care about how these like 60 to 80 year olds are getting affected by this well we're still young we still have time to live but then the people that actually own and have all the money are the older people so if those people start dying that's going to like that's already crumbling the society those are the ones who run mm-hmm. everything so the only way that some scientists are saying is this is going to get resolved is it kind of backwards if it like it mutates and it starts affecting the youth which no one Mm. really wants to happen because then we're all screwed, you know? Mm. But I, I think that I don't know, like I try to express to my friends, like how I feel about this, but at the same time, the more you try to like preach to people, the more they're going to be like, what? Stop telling me this. You know, like you, you, you kind of people have to, people have to like learn on their own. But one thing that I did to like do the best I could is I have a second podcast and I did a whole coronavirus episode on that. And I had like nine people on that episode. And, um, I I chose my guests very specifically. There were some people in high school, some people that just graduated high school, people in college, people that just graduated college, people who are uh, um, working at Target, people that have kids. So I got everyone's um, perspective on, and and I also got like a recording artist on there. So I got everyone's perspective and um, I chose people that were really like insightful about this whole thing. And we all had different views, but none of us were like, no, you're wrong. Because the underlying Mm. theme is that everyone feels that this is pretty serious. And it's a lot from what I kind of feel is that it's going to be a thing like the flu that is not going to go away. And we're just going to have to find a new vaccine like every few months, every few years. So I think that's a scary thing. And I feel that I think we're pushing back our quarantine here in the United States. I think our, our governor for Seattle is thinking maybe May 30th. But, like, he's keeping us all at the end of our seats because he's, like, saying, I think so. But it, we're supposed to end on, like, May 4th or 5th. So, like, yesterday he's like, I think we might. I'm like, we should know by now, I think. But mm. um, I think that if we just let everyone out right now, people would, in a sense, because they're kind of ignorant about this whole thing and not taking it seriously, would, in a sense, everyone, I think everyone would kind of forget that we actually still have this disease And I Mm, think definitely I think people would actually celebrate being out of the house. And then by the people are kind of saying that by the summer, that like other like flus, like influenza and stuff like that, like dies down in the summer. But I I don't think because we're still spreading rapidly, I don't think it's going to die down if we just let people out in the summer. You know, I think yeah, I think that if people start partying and everything like that, it's just going to spread like wildfire. So I think that's scary. But then if you keep people in too long then people get militant and like start freaking out and then people start losing their jobs so it's a it's a double-edged sword
1: yeah i saw people in the u.s some people comparing it to slavery and i was like you guys obviously have no idea what slavery means what slavery is they were like Protesters in the U.S. You know, I like to keep up with what's happening in the U.S. Like <laughs> so daily, silly. because there's so much. Like honestly like the craziest things. <laughs> it kind of feels like I'm watching an episode of SNL oh. because like I was like of the ridiculous things sometimes that people do. Like the pr- the protesters who the anti-lockdown protesters who ended up getting <laughs> the virus. Like just like r- like ridiculous things. But anyway, I, I do understand like why people are frustrated with staying at home. I definitely empathize with that. And I'll be the first as soon as, as we are allowed to and it's safe for us to be out there. I'll be the first person like out in the club or maybe like <laughs> doing a show, out partying, because like I didn't realise how much I miss just being out, like or just going out for a drink or hanging out with my friends. Like but it's a small sacrifice to make. For your life.
0: <laughs> yeah, just a little small, you know. It's a, on a very, very basic level, it's a war that you can fight on your couch, you know. So you yes, can... <laughs> there we go.
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: But I, I think I do think people should take it seriously. I think um, I, I'm just giving I'm just giving free promo at this point. I just uh, my previous guests I told them about it too. There's a new documentary on Netflix about the coronavirus. Mm. and then um this actor named jk simmons who i i really like he um he's like the narrator for it and i think he was a really good narrator like choice for narrating because it it wasn't like he was like trying to be smug about it or anything like that like i feel like he was someone that people can connect to so i i recommend everyone watch that but yeah i think i i think for (laughs) in a weird way this is a the quarantine's good for my podcast, I mean I could talk to everyone cuz everyone's home, you know, and I think yeah. I think I think um everyone's like in their thoughts right now. So this is a perfect time to do interviews so you, to express yourself. And then um, Definitely. I uh, I recently I'm a city guy but I recently like moved up to the woods. So I have a house in the woods and it's um it's like 15 minutes away from the closest town, but then from that my closest friends are another like 20 30 minutes. <laughs> so I my this is my outlet outlet to like talk to all all these artists and stuff you know
1: so, so are you in the woods right now
0: yeah I have, I have my house is in the woods it's a it's in this place called snohomish and uh it's like a it's like wow. there's a it's pretty deep in the woods but um
1: like are the other are the other houses close to you or you like alone?
0: yeah we're in a little community but like you're driving 15 minutes to the woods and then like you turn up the street and then there's like a like a neighborhood. It's a, it's a it's a nice little neighborhood. It's a it's like a private neighborhood, but um.
1: That's so nice.
0: Yeah, there's like a. I'm so peaceful. There's literally like um, yesterday I took I took a little bit of a drive, just to get out of the house, and we have like an alpaca farm down the street from our house. There's there's some wild peacocks. There's tons of eagles, turkeys. There's just random a- animals that I'm not used to seeing just normally, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a nice change of pace, but I do commute a lot so seattle from here is like 40 minutes to an hour long but that's where like the station is that's where my studio is and that's where everyone i know is so it's kind of it's kind of it's not bad because i'm being in the woods right now is a good thing because you're away from all the coffers and the people Mm. spreading the coronavirus but also it's kind of you know kind of get cabin fever (laughs) yeah but yeah i think i think I think that was cool that we talked about the coronavirus and you're so like, I, I, that was good because some people are just saying, yeah, I hate being stuck in the house, but I think you did give some good insight on that. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's just a good time to reflect, you know, we might as well. And like, I, I'm trying to be a positive person. So I try to see the opportunity in bad situations. And this really is an opportunity for us to like rethink the way we do things and also just to like have a break. I know that people are still working because we have the internet and we're able to work, but uh, I think I want to encourage people who who are in a position where they don't have to work maybe to like, just take the time to reflect and do some like work on the on the inside because we live in such a fast-paced society that it actually feels uncomfortable for us to take a break like it's crazy that it's uncomfortable for us to do something that we work hard like we work hard to get a holiday and I guess this isn't really a holiday but when we do have a break it's uncomfortable so I don't know like now's a good time to meditate and (laughs) <laughs> and do all, this, all those things you've been putting off, you know, like your body transformation or like clearing your garden or like, <laughs> like all the stupid shit that you've been putting off, like now's the time to do it.
0: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, Dope St. Jude, what is some advice that you have for up-and-coming artists, creators, influencers?
1: My advice to artists, number one, is to be authentic always. You can never go wrong by like being yourself and being authentic it sounds uh, sounds cliche but it really is important and then the second thing is is that just when you're on the precipice when you think that you're on the precipice of failure or that things are about to go wrong for you or that things aren't working out like that's when you need to push the hardest like that's the point when you'll break through i think that the, there's always kind of um, I don't know how to put it, but there's always that kind of like feeling of, it's it's almost as though the universe is testing you, I think. When things get really difficult, it's when the universe decides whether you're up for the challenge or not. And when you give up when things are really tough, then it wasn't for you. But the people who push through, those are the ones who always make it. Like that's the common thread of people who are able to like make it in a difficult industry is that they keep pushing through. So I encourage artists, up and coming artists, just to keep working hard. Like it's gonna work out. Kendrick has a line, what does he say? Um, careers take off, you just need patience. He even says that in one of his tracks. So just be patient and keep working and keep pushing and believe in yourself.
0: For sure. Is there anything you wanna promote?
1: Um, yeah, I like to promote my uh, my new single called "Go High, Go Low." You can catch it on YouTube, and then also um, check out my essay I wrote recently on Girls Talk. Um, girls Talk spelled t- girls with the U, G U R L S Talk And yeah, follow me on Instagram Dopes at DopesinJude on Twitter at DopesinJude, Facebook Jude, TikTok DopesinJude, all of those. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, I end the podcast by saying this is the NAS podcast and you say your name. So this is the NAS podcast with Dope St. Jude. There we go. Thank you guys so much and uh, stay safe.